This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. Co-host Dimitri. I'm Khalid. And today, not a moment too soon, as promised, we're coming back at everybody with the seventh installment of our Contra series. I think it's been a few months since we dropped the last one, which was about BCCI. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. This was an interesting episode. I think actually much like BCCI, when we first got the spark of inspiration for doing it, it wasn't even necessarily conceived of as a Contra chapter. But I think after reading just a little bit of the sources we dr- we dug through, I realized that it absolutely has to be included uh, in the canon mm-hmm. of this subterranean satanic network of you know high finance, intelligence operatives, drug dealers, pedophiles, politicians, and... Uh, other sorts of rogues uh, that in many ways, I think, uh, created the unseen infrastructure of the world that we now live in today. Yeah, and it picks up quite well from uh, where we left off in certain ways. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I went back and listened to uh, Contra 6 BCCI yesterday, and I was kind of blown away at the, like, (laughs) at the overlap and, I mean, literally the same people being mentioned uh, in that whole scandal that were involved and uh, the people that are going to pop up today. And for that matter, almost every episode of Contra, there are going to be characters that pop up today in uh, sometimes familiar, but sometimes very new and interesting ways. And also, I think we're trying out something new today in Contra 7 because uh, so far... This has been a historical series, mostly focusing on the period from, I'd say, the very late 1970s up through maybe the early 90s, and to some extent up through 9-11. We talked about 9-11 a lot in our Mm -hmm. last episode. Yes. uh, And Operation 9-11, the greatest entrapment scheme of all time. But we haven't necessarily brought the narrative up to today before, I think, in a Contra chapter. Yeah, I think in Mark Lombardi as well, I think we kind of came through 9-11 in the early 2000s, but kind of stopped there. And I feel like I've even said before 
I know I, I think I said on Twitter years ago that I feel like uh, with all the Iran-Contra kind of documentation and stuff that was uh, sort of done in the 80s and the 90s with people like Gary Webb, like we know quite a bit about this extremely complicated but vast like Iran-Contra enterprise network. But then they seem to almost kind of like go underground in the 90s. Some of the older kind of Iran-Contra heads all die off. People like Bill Casey, who like mysteriously has a stroke like five seconds before he was supposed to testify in 1987. Um, mm -hmm. And also people like Gerhard Mertens, right. who we talked about in BCCI, uh, possibly Heinrich or the father of Heinrich, yes. um, who ran Merrick's AG, the SS Hauptsturmfuhrer, mm -hmm. who, who ran with uh, Otto Scorzani and other people. He had died off by the late 90s. And, uh, you know, George H.W. Bush, the kingpin himself, was kind of retiring, getting older. Of course, he had his son and all his minions in the White House from 2000 to 2008. But still, you know, even if we talk about, you know, George Bush as the puppet master, he's dead now. And I think especially in the Trump era, maybe the trail got kind of lost for people that were trying to trace this Iran-Contra enterprise thing into the present day. Now, I think there have been some like hints and I know we've brought them up before. Big one that's going to be discussed today is the interesting little company called Resorts International, which we'll talk about at length, but this was located on Paradise Island in the Bahamas and was somewhat randomly purchased in 1987 by Donald J. Trump, who then kind of, I think, got in a, a, an ownership battle with Merv Griffin, another kind of random person, to... Uh, <laughs> to go after this, this very shady company. And it's gone through a variety of uh, ownership changes since then. But that always stuck out to me, that why was Donald Trump buying Resorts International in 1987? And I think we talked about this with Ed Opperman, because he's done a lot of good episodes on resorts. Mm -hmm. And I know he's had uh, Daniel Hopsicker on, who has done a lot of good research on the kind of criminality rampant in South Florida and kind of international drug trafficking. I think even Daniel Hopsicker broke a bunch of articles about shady things happening in Antigua, which is going to definitely pop up today in uh, some of the books we've read. Mm -hmm. But all that aside, there's a big elephant in the room, a big boy elephant in the room, you could say, that makes this story we're going to tell today incredibly relevant. Yeah. And I think maybe we'll just start with like what was the what was the MK trigger that <laughs> kind of sent us off on this investigation and uh, resulted in today's Contra Seven, and it's something very contemporary. It might even be outdated by the time most yeah. people listen to it, but maybe not. You know, maybe not. I think maybe it's something it's we'll be hearing about for a while. Come. Yeah. Uh, it is. And eventually course, it might talking. blow over, but I think that it's uh, going to be with us for some time. It's already a forced meme, so it's not like it's it can, meme. you know, get stale. It's been like a stale cracker. It's been shoved down our throats. Mm -hmm. And of course, or, yeah. you know, we are talking about this phenomenon that just suddenly flared up less than, I think, a month ago, maybe at the end of June of a variety of meme accounts popping up on Twitter that are half ironically, but really kind of seriously, positing that the best Democratic candidate for president in 2024 is big boy 
Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. Yes, he's and enormous. He's big. He whips ass. Big boy in the big house. <laughs> um, uh, he is. It's a big boy summer. Yeah, it's we need year of the big, big boy. boy um, he's the reincarnation of Chairman Mao. He is the person that democratic socialists really need to like take a hard look at and think about supporting. So this kind of started spreading online. There's a main account, Socialist for Pritzker. We don't know who the identity of this individual is, but uh, they seem to be based in the Chicago area, a city that we're going to talk a lot about today. And there's almost like a line that is just almost uh, emerged overnight, like fully formed of kind of, I guess you could say, dirtbag leftist types, a lot of podcasters, uh, people with big Twitter followings, people that, you know, say publish like certain trendy leftish kind of uh, magazines and stuff, all kind of getting on the same side of being like, look, guys, I know it's crazy, but one, isn't he such a big boy? It totally whips ass. And then two... <laughs> Yeah, he's such an effective governor, and like sort and of doing this you know weird, what? like uh, just kind of like lie to your face move, where they will like say those type of things, like, well, I don't know, I mean, he, uh, he, I like the way that he's like assertive in what he believes, and he's had like serious results as a governor. He's got executive experience, and like all these stupid like little democratic strategist things, and then they'll be like, we're joking. Well, it's if, not I really mean, even if you funny, watch a- like. It's not even funny. It, like, I don't, it's like, not, it's, why would it be funny? Like, I think that, I mean, I think that there's many considerations if you're like a Democrat and looking at it from like, how do the Democrats win in 20, uh, 2024? The, you know, there's many considerations. Like, I think a lot of the idea of incumbency and the power of incumbency and that if Biden were to choose to run, would it just compromise the party so much like to have him lose to a challenger or even to defeat a challenger? You know, would it weaken him? That's like the conventional wisdom. I don't know if that's true, but I, I feel like people... We're recording this like near the end of July. I feel like people are rapidly moving away from that idea. Even the most normie kind of political operative type people, I feel like they're laying the groundwork right now to retire Biden. Yeah, maybe even. But if he retires, that's different. If he were to run, as he's like kind of indicated that he will thus far, mm-hmm. I don't have the confidence to say. I definitely, I'm not saying confidently that if there is a challenge to the incumbent that will weaken the uh, party and they'll lose or that like it really matters like so much. I'm definitely not saying one way or the other, but I definitely don't think that it's certain that I don't think it's certain that Biden would lose to whoever the Republican challenger is either. It's kind of what was the conventional wisdom in 2020. All these same people were like, oh, it's over. Oh, no, like without Bernie, like we're fucked. Like, you know, and (laughs) that's what they were all saying. I think that we can remember, but Hmm, yeah, they were wrong about that too. Uh, They also said like Russia won't invade Ukraine. (laughs) But anyway, so (laughs) I think that like sometimes they're political instincts. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. uh, Yeah, fair assumption until it wasn't like, but anyway, like (laughs) I think that their political instincts sometimes can be, can be wrong as we saw in Super Tuesday and things like that, you know? So I'm trying to figure, remember where it was going. But like, yeah, this whole idea that like Biden definitely can't win or that like, you know, we need Pritzker or whatever. But I think that, you know, as you're saying, like, yeah, I think the groundwork is kind of being laid for something different to happen. A lot of people feel that we need like a fresh face. Like Biden is really fucking old. So that's like a huge problem where he's just like really kind of limping along. Like no one can, 
Like it would really be crossing an uncrossed horizon in terms of the age of the president. And it just, he just doesn't have the energy. He's yeah. If Jeb Bush was low energy, Joe Biden gives a new meaning to the term. So yeah, I mean that like, this kind of was my original point is that it's not really funny because like it is, you know, even though I don't think that it's uh, definitely uh, like the, their insights are definitely correct. And in fact, I think that they could be wrong. I don't think that it's beyond the pale of being like absurd or, or funny in any way. You know, it's not comical. Socialists. You mean, you mean or, absurd? You mean absurd or funny in the sense of like it's uh, what? Like it's so unlikely to happen. Well, like when they're I, saying like, oh, it's a mean? bit. You know, socialist for Pritzker. Like, oh, you know, ha ha ha. Like we're just joking. Which they say well, guess, even it's after, not, it's like not funny. you know, just saying these kind of straight up things about how he would be a good president. Uh, but then they kind of hide behind this like idea that. that it's a bit. But. That's not only belied yeah. by the way they talk about it quite seriously, but also that it's uh, it's not really funny. Like how like if, uh, comedy to me it might be you know people might disagree, but it comes from like stark contradictions. Like you know socialist for, I mean socialist for Trump. Like I see the humor there. Uh, it's mean not like, that funny. You mean funny, like being a socialist supporting a you mean like a socialist supporting a presidential candidate who has inherited three point five billion dollars. Uh is like that, that where the irony? humor comes from? I guess. Yeah. That, see that's not where the humor that's the thing. That's not where the humor is coming from. It's like I think there's maybe even a perverse like undercurrent of a thrill that people get out of it because that is so on its face absurd. Yeah. That a bunch of people that have supported Bernie in the last two primaries are now going to pivot to fucking JB Pritzker, who by the way, just recently he started going out and giving speeches and he's gotten a lot of high marks for like after the uh, July 4th shooting where, you know, he talked about how we need to take everybody's guns and he's not afraid to say it and fuck your thoughts and prayers and really boilerplate like liberal culture war bullshit, but he's saying it in a kind of like gruff de bears kind of uh, affect that he's adopted as a big Chicago boy. Yeah. And, you know, like he's not even saying things. I noticed like the socialist for Pritzker account uh, tweeting things like, does J.B. Pritzker support like nationalized health care or and something, something else like very socialistic? And he said, like, if it makes you feel better, then the answer is yes. <laughs> and it's like, I don't get what the he doesn't support fucking Medicare for all. like. What no, I don't get what's funny about this. Like you're you're trying to meme. It seems like you're you're trying too hard to fully say that like it, at least that account is. Maybe other people are kind of fellow traveling because it's just so funny. But I think I don't know. I've uh, noticed that like, multiple times like when people have been called out on it sort of recently cuz I think that you know when it started to kind of get rolling there was a bit of a backlash like what the fuck like why are you pushing JV Pritzker so hard? Uh, then people were mm-hmm. kind of like, you're taking this too seriously. But they also seem to take it seriously and to be serious a lot of the time. They uh, the take electoral politics. Uh, they take electoral politics and like the Democratic Party way more seriously than like people that are criticizing them for doing Pritzker memeing. Yes. Do. And you know I get saying? the like, idea like, the oh, day, like, ha ha, the joke fuck? is like, that he's a billionaire. Like, I mean, socialist for Bloomberg, I feel like would be more funny because he's more of like out of touch, like sort of billionaire, uh, like elitist, like yeah, freak, see, it's and there's not, nothing it, it, like. You're right. I, I think as well. Pritzker, they're like, oh, yes. he is. You know, he, you know, he's a uh, maybe a little bit left of center uh, in terms of American politics. So, like, I mean, I don't think it's like that much funnier than 
socialist for Biden would be. <laughs> you know, like I feel like well, it's... Well, you know... I don't think that they're that politically th- different, honestly. Uh, and here's the thing. I think that there's something particular about socialists for Pritzker or anything like that in that Pritzker is not just a kind of isolated actor in this entire world of democratic politics and American capitalism in general. He comes from a very powerful family, as we'll get into kind of later in the episode. If you trace the kind of activities and the uh, interlocks between the various Pritzkers, because there's there's kind of 11 main Pritzkers that split up their fortune in the early 2000s and they all got basically like several billion dollars each and they sort of branched off into different fields. Like some of them got really, some of them moved to San Francisco where they've actually been the second biggest family supporting uh, another governor named Gavin Newsom, who was just like skulking around the white house last week when Biden was out of town and everyone thinks he's going to run. So I, I think that it stops being funny when you realize that, like would, there could be kind of like uh, I don't know manufacturing the consensual domain for a kind of primary thing when Biden steps down, where you're going to have two Democratic governors, relative fresh faces, and kind of you know seemingly different. One's a big boy, the other one looks like Patrick Bateman, and they're going to have their little battle. Meanwhile, one of them is a Pritzker, the other one is basically their whole career has been bankrolled by people in the same exact family. So it's like two Pritzker-backed horses like fighting it out. And then no matter what, this family is going to have an inordinate amount of influence if they can actually get one of their, their people into the White House. And I think, as we will go through later, the sort of uh, history of the Pritzker family, um, even by the standards of billionaires pretty fucking sus actually and there's a lot of connections that i think uh should give any self-proclaimed socialist a little bit of pause um before ironically jumping on his bandwagon or saying the new line of attack i think people are using is that he's our generation's fdr he's going to be a class trader you guys trust us but i think if you look at his entire life biography and his behavior and his family's behavior the idea that he would be an FDR, there's a lot of criticisms you could make of that, but the idea that he would even be an FDR, I think, is uh, pretty laughable on its face. But yeah, but maybe, I don't. Should I? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, sorry. We're gonna say should, yeah. Well, I I did want to read one example okay, right. in case people are still confused of like what we're talking about because mm-hmm. it will contrast very boldly with uh, the information we're about to jump into. But this is just one example of the kind of a you know sentiment laundering that I think is going on. This is an article from July 6th in Current Affairs magazine by, I think it's editor-in-chief and chief auteur, Nathan J. Robinson, who I've always found to be a little bit of a uh, curious character, you know, Mm. like dressing up like a Tom Wolf dandy, like living in New Orleans, like... I don't know, like big family still profits off of invested like wealth from slavery vibes. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't have any <laughs> like a special fondness for Nathan Robinson. I mean, I don't have too much animus towards him, really. I never like liked him or his magazine, really. He always just seemed like kind of like, you know, I don't find what you're about to discuss uh, from him surprising <laughs> is maybe the best way to put it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Current Affairs is like much like Jacobin. It's like one of these kind of trendy democratic socialist, uh, little dirtbag friendly kind of publications. You know, I think they publish a lot of people like kind of from that world. And but he's very much about having a kind of like serious political analysis of this situation. Anyways, I'm just going to read a little bit of like his logic because this is what This is what I see bubbling to the surface right now. You know, he starts by saying that Joe Biden's presidency is in very serious trouble. A new poll found that 71% of Americans do not want Biden to run for re-election. And, you know, Democrats are going to get punished in the midterms. He says, none of this should come as a surprise to anyone familiar with Biden's record. Surely when leading Democrats helped to crush Bernie Sanders and ensure Biden's nomination, they knew Biden had spent decades showing he didn't care about abortion rights. Jacobin warned, for instance, (laughs) that even if Biden was able to get elected, his presidency would probably be an unpopular failure that could pave the way for a far-right successor in 2024. The problem, of course, is that Democrats cannot turn back the clock and nominate Bernie Sanders in 2020. They are looking at 2024, and they realize the obvious. Biden, with his approval rating having collapsed and showing no signs of recovering, does not seem likely to be reelected. But if not Biden, who could the party run? Biden himself seems to want to run again and is reportedly annoyed at those who are disappointed in him or think he should retire. The Vanity Fair reports that behind-the-scenes Democratic conversation is full of such questions as, if Biden doesn't run, what then? And there's a backup plan, right? Of course there isn't a backup plan. Of course? Okay. Joe Biden was only nominated because, even though his campaign had been failing, centrist Democrats agreed he was the best shot the party had at keeping Bernie Sanders from being nominated. There was no plan then, and there isn't one now. No conspiracies ever. There are no obviously strong alternative candidates. Pete Buttigieg is an empty suit. Kamala Harris has disastrous political instincts. Every Democrat who immediately comes to mind as a 2024 contender seems like a surefire loser. This is a problem because the GOP are energized and increasingly support a terrifying, radical, theocratic, hyper-capitalist agenda. Even those of us who detest the Democratic leadership have to acknowledge that a Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis presidency needs to be avoided, if at all possible. When J.B. Pritzker first ran for the governorship of Illinois in 2018, I was annoyed. Pritzker is a billionaire heir, and I am disinclined to believe that there are, quote, good billionaires. The possession of extreme wealth is itself immoral. Yes. I'm disinclined to believe that, but here's why he's a good billionaire. But, (laughs) (laughs) Um. But when, a couple of years into Pritzker's term, I spoke to lefty friends in Illinois and expected them to rant about what a ridiculous sign of democratic corruption it was to have a billionaire as their governor. I was surprised to find that they had nothing negative to say about Pritzker. In fact, they said he was, and he puts this in italics, a shockingly good governor. They were impressed with him because he had signed into law some major progressive policies that a neoliberal centrist governor would have fought tooth and nail. Indeed, Pritzker has been signing bill after bill, and many of them are exactly what progressives want. In his time in office, Pritzker has approved legislation that has, and he gives like a long hyperlinked like tech, Uh, like fucking DC consultant list of like everything, like introduced $15 minimum wage, effectively ended immigration detention. Okay, great. Something Uh, literally every Democratic governor would do. Fifteen dollar minimum, which isn't yeah. sufficient at all. It's like the bare minimum. Like, oh wow, what else? What else is on the list? Yeah, okay. Uh, he put the state on a path to a hundred percent clean energy by twenty fifty uh, through oh, a kind wow. of mini state level oh Green New God. Deal. Wow. Oh great. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, literally, Charlie uh, Baker, spend... the Republican governor of Massachusetts, is probably like. Yeah, anyway, whatever. 
Um, <laughs> well, yeah, though, I don't think there's anything on this list that a mainstream, like, modern day, like, Nancy I don't Pelosi understand, Democrat, like, why, like, how he's, like, support. distinct from, like, Joe Biden, honestly. Like, that's the thing. Like, he's it's not. Rid- it's, well, he talks tough. And he's a like, big with boy, an and he whips ass. He's a big boy. And, like, which is, yeah. like, okay, great. Like, he's, I'm, I'm not trying to fat shame, but I don't, like, you know, I don't see how that's a bad It's a weird, I guess, like, reverse psychology like has, fat like, shaming that makes him, him cool. Where, like, you know, he can, he he looks can throw like a his weight around because he's got. Yeah. Oh, honestly, I think he looks like a fucking Sopranos character, and they love it. Um. Okay. Anyways. Okay. Word. So yeah, he and then a bunch of like symbolic reforms that are okay. He guaranteed the right to abortion, like literally any Democrat would. Uh, he banned the burning of certain toxic chemicals. I guess not bad. How about this? Check this out. Introduced a suite of criminal punishment reforms, abolishing cash bail beginning in January 2023. Remember, we just talked yes. about that, right? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Chicago was, was a huge testing ground. Like weird algorithm where it's like, I do think you have it's a good go, relationship I, with your father. Like, if so, <laughs> like you get bail. If not, like no bail. Period. Um, um. Yeah. Basically, I suspect. I didn't look exactly into it, but I suspect from everything I know, it, this is the safe. T Act, uh, Safe Dash T Act. It probably, I would be willing to bet, because every other attempt to abolish cash bail by like these types of progressives around the country has used some kind of sus like AI tech algorithm to like calculate your like your flight score or something and then decide whether or not to give you to let you out. I have a feeling that that's what's going on here. So JB Pritzker is like all down with these Silicon Valley weirdos you know, to like reform policing and put like a kind of woke gloss over it. But uh, let's see. Oh, he required health insurance plans to cover glucose monitors. Like again, like good, but like what this guy's chairman Mao. Okay. He increased funding for nursing home staffing by 700 million. He created paid COVID sick leave for school employees. He banned unlicensed privately manufactured ghost guns, increased school budgets. Okay. Like, uh, so he's a Democrat. Yeah. Right. So With like a super majority in nice. the state. D- okay, thank cool. you. Deval Patrick, yeah. uh, socialist for <laughs> Deval Patrick. Like, I like, yeah, that's the thing. Like I, it's yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm reading a little bit like I'm reading the blog post of somebody that's trapped in an abusive relationship with like a BPD gaslighter who's like got them to like rationalize like supporting literally supporting a billionaire after supporting Bernie Sanders and being like, no, but it's actually really like logical. I've been thinking lately like, you about know, how, well, the thing is like Nathan Robinson didn't start this and like it's really amazing to me how people right. like just fall over and like that they don't have like a resistance to like being psyops basically and like or in a like a, a less charged term perhaps uh, being memed into shit people just like believe manipulated yeah manipulate like they can just very easily like just cave in and go along with shit like if it's just aggressively promoted or if there's like a forced meme around it i, I think, think that's true we've been but seeing I, that I also this week on twitter with the whole thing of like you know who's a proletarian like now we all hate uh the starbucks union or something like it's weird how yeah, I mean, people uh, that's all like a can of worms. <laughs> it's weird how people <laughs> yeah, will like go along with that directions. because it's like promoted so aggressively. I think it's just it's a very strange phenomenon where people it, it's it's odd how like people's minds can just yeah just conform themselves to whatever thing is presented to them uh, like aggressively enough. 
you think that it would be less effective as like a bit, but it's actually more effective as a bit. Well, because yeah, not know, to like, like it's more mimetically viral as a just bit. as like a and side note to this. You know, uh, I happened to while you were talking about this, I just go on go on Twitter and uh, search uh, Pritzker and the phrase a bit. <laughs> um, and uh, okay. I found this interesting thread here between several uh, prominent blue checks and the general sort of left sphere where I think it's a, a, an instructive kind of conversation. So it starts off with a tweet by Jeff Stein, who's a White House economics reporter for the Washington Post. And he says, to what extent is socialist for Pritzker, quote unquote, a bit? And Adam H. Johnson, who, you know, uh, I think he has a, a prominent podcast, like, uh, I think... Citations Yeah, needed. does he do that with Nima Shirazi? I always like Nima Shirazi, but whatever. In this case, it's like, whatever. Uh, he re- He's kind of in this media milieu in New York. Yeah, he replies, like uh, the people are calling for it. And he quote tweets himself in a reply to uh, at by your logic saying, putting all my chips on JB Dark Horse 2024 run. Uh, and then he replies to himself, I think, saying this. Uh, interestingly, this is not an endorsement because I'm also not sure if I'm being ironic. That, I think, is a very telling hmm. statement. Not to, like, single out this person. I don't really know his work or anything. I always did like Nima Shirazi's old blog, Why to Sleep in America. But, you know, that was a while ago. Well, I think there's a whole thing. I I don't want to pop off. We're going to do a lot of popping off today. Okay, but I'm just saying this is a telling uh, statement to me. No, no, I Like, I'm not sure if I'm being ironic. Like, not like, well, for all all intents and purposes, that's an endorsement. Like, whether you say it's not an endorsement. Well, here's the thing. And I think this is actually a perfect sort of time to read. Stance, you know, like anyway. Yes. Right. Well, I, I think to that point, I would like to read the tweet that uh, the screenshotted tweet that is currently pinned on my Twitter profile <laughs> and very consciously been pinned there for like since the beginning of the month. I think this is one of the realest tweets that have ever been fucking tweeted on that website by Crypto Cuttlefish in March 2017, who said, I've said before that I think the whole I'm CIA LOL rejoinder is the nervous laugh of somebody who doesn't know who they really work for. And I think the PSYOP aspect even ties in, like the irony aspect of they're almost lost in like an ironic wilderness of mirrors to the point where they don't even know if they're being serious or not. And I think when you don't know, if, you, if, you've, if you've lost the ability to like be on Twitter and like not realize if you're operating ironically or earnestly, then I feel like you're... Especially like, in your support for J.B. Pritzker to be president. Like, I get, like, I, I'm not going to, like, be like, oh, you know, if it were, like, J.B. Pritzker versus DeSantis or something. Like, I'm not going to begrudge you supporting J.B. Pritzker for various reasons. I mean, I do think the Democrats, like, just fundamentally suck and are, like, are incapable of doing anything good. Like, as we're seeing bear out in the current administration, where, like, it's not like, yeah. you know, now that we have Biden, like all, you know, like all these uh, horrible things like are not happening or whatever. It just seems like the, like marching on somehow almost as if like we are under like, you know, these like, it's a fascist, like Republican administration. <laughs> yeah. Like, but you know, uh, but I also kind of do think that it's at least equally possible, at least equally possible that like, say, you know, this all works, this all goes off without a hitch and like J.B. Pritzker, does challenge Biden in the primary and like even if he does beat him I think it's equally likely that he doesn't beat him uh, and then Biden is like even more weak looking then just gets owned or like I think it's totally likely that then he just loses 
because I think it's possible that conventional wisdom would bear itself out. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not well, committing to saying that, that it would, but be. I think they could just be walking into a total trap. <laughs> like, well, uh, they, they could be, but also, I, I also want to entertain the possibility of, uh, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that that big boy motherfucker could win in 2024 with the right amount yeah, of he kind could, of he could win. media manipulation. Now, For sure. you know, and again, yeah. we'll, we'll get back to like the actual like the the receipts on J.B. Pritzker and like why he should never be trusted. But I feel like, let's say he does get into the primary, are you going to have these kind of relatively influential kind of media accounts and personalities telling everybody that voted for Bernie in 2016 and 2020 and like is in the DSA that they should get behind Pritzker as opposed to other candidates? Like, is that really where we're going with this? Because it could. Like, I could see that literally happening it would be absolutely absurd from my point of view, you know, and, and who knows like what the ultimate, like you said, like it could be a trap. It could just be a way to like the fucking scramble the democratic coalition. I mean, more. Yeah, I like I don't even of, know at this point. I, I kind of, you know, I, again, like I am not like someone who's going to like, unlike some people out there, I'm not going to be someone who's like presenting themselves as, like a political analyst. Who's like going to game the election. Like, you know, even though I think, uh, <laughs> You know, maybe just by virtue of not like making these bold, like asinine predictions that then blow up in my face. You know, I think I've been more right about some of these things than uh, uh, others. But it seems like Pritzker, you know, he's the governor of Illinois. I feel like the conservatives could really like, you know, or the Republicans could really like hit him with that, like pretty hard. You know, I feel like Chicago has been like a big talking point Chicago's for them. Like, zone. yeah, it's a war zone. It's hellhole. Yeah. Well, like, especially you know, being like that shows the out of touchness too. That like he's all about like Mister, like I'm gonna go out there like after the shooting and like say I'm gonna ban guns and like literally. Like the city you live in, like the biggest city in your state, exactly does yeah, have like a pretty horrible one, gun violence problem. It's one giant gun-free zone. No, and look at <laughs> look at it. You know, like it's like I don't know. I don't think that like he's over like the ironclad candidate. And I don't like, even though like yeah. I mean, it's it's incredibly infuriating to see people say that like that for there was that like uh, article that called him. A, I think it was in Wapo that called him like a working class billionaire. I think it even quoted one of these these people who like just push him aggressively on Twitter, Get the fuck like out which is the I exact the, same that, that thing guy, they said about yeah, Trump. Yeah, socialist for Pritzker. Guy. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think that that will like go over with like the general electorate. Like I don't think that the people who you're going to try to be getting into a coalition for Pritzker are going to be as susceptible to that line as like the people who were like we're going to go into a coalition for Trump. You know, like I think that there's probably some yeah, people no, who I, will I equally work on, but. You know, generally, I think, like, well, it's, I think, come on, like, it's stupid on its face. Like, I have to say, I noticed that the people that it seems to be working on the hardest is not the general, like, proverbial hard hat, like, working Democrat kind of person, like, in the Rust Belt, but it's like hipster type media, academia, like, podcast adjacent people in, like, New York and LA. Yeah. That, and like, DSA people. In fact, let me just read. This paragraph uh, from Nathan Jay, because he, you know, he, he he tells on them a little bit inadvertently. He said, after listing all these amazing, just like centrist Democrat achievements, uh, he says, Pritzker is a pragmatist, not a radical. He might have ended cash bail and increased state spending, but he has also improved the state's finances overall and signed a measure cracking down on rings of criminals that organize retail theft. Oh, great. Still, when you talk to a leftist in Illinois, they are likely to tell you that Pritzker is about the best Democratic governor one could reasonably hope for. 
Democratic Socialist Chicago Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa told the Washington Post that, quote, there's a strong argument to be made that J.B. Pritzker is the best Illinois governor since progressive John Peter Altgeld. Like, okay, okay DSA, stay winning. Uh, <laughs> partly the high marks are because the bar is so low. As one Twitter commenter said, in our lifetimes, Democratic governors have been more likely to resign in shame, lose to Republicans, or help conservative Democrats join Republicans to stop good things, cough, Cuomo, than to, than to do anything good for regular people. Until Pritzker. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Indeed, in Illinois, the bar is particularly low since four of the state's past 10 governors have gone to jail. I am also skeptical of Pritzker for his decision to pursue the incredibly risky political strategy of trying to get the GOP to nominate radical far-right <laughs> candidates on the theory that they are more easily beaten. This Fair strikes enough. me as dangerous and unprincipled. By the way, J.B. Pritzker is doing that. He's dumping tens yes. of millions of dollars into like promoting the most fucking batshit QAnon like, so MAGA well candidates possible. Which worked out so well for Hillary Clinton uh, when they promoted the original <laughs> MAGA candidate. It worked out amazingly. It's a tried and true strategy. I don't see why anyone would not. Why would it backfire? Yeah. So if you're mad about people, you know, getting elected to Congress who deny like, you know, the January 6th insurrection and love Trump, uh, maybe thank the guy who literally bankrolled their campaign. But, you know, he did it ironically and tactically, right? Right. Because they're do easier it. to defeat. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. Well, very radical, very different yeah. from normal democratic thinking, as we can see. But, you know, Nathan Jay says, but the, the measures Pritzker has signed into law are real steps forward. They matter to people. They are not bullshit, and they will actually alter many lives in positive ways. If the Democrats are going to stand a chance of retaining national office, they need to be able to show that they can actually deliver benefits that people will see and feel. Instead, what we usually get is party leaders telling us how bad the Republicans are, and when anyone asks for more than not being the Republicans, Democratic leaders ask us if we are saying we want the Republicans to win. It is absolutely maddening and is part of why young people are increasingly disenchanted with the party, although they have few other obvious options, a fact that the party takes advantage of. They also work hard to keep the, keep it that way by keeping third parties off the ballot. Okay, li literally like standard democracy now, talking points. Pritzker may have signaled his openness to running in 2024. He said it's certainly possible. Now this is funny. This is hilarious, as we'll see. Uh, if Pritzker runs, he needs to run the birdie playbook, not the tired Biden strategy of promising to work with Republicans on sensible bipartisan compromises. It is not actually clear how progressive Pritzker is personally or whether he is pushed to the left by the movement organizations in his state. There are some promising signs. He has, for instance, made concrete demands of the Biden administration on abortion that give us some indication of what a president Pritzker might do differently. But the only reason to get behind a Pritzker presidential candidacy would be if he was likely to give the right a real fight and seriously distinguish himself from the status quo. Already, there is a niche contingent of online lefties who are, perhaps slightly ironically, very into J.B. Pritzker. A Socialist for Pritzker Twitter account has attracted <laughs> thousands of followers and makes it clear that while it is partly joking, it is also serious. The account's anonymous creator said, quote, People like J.B. because he was a Democrat who ran on things that were very popular amongst Democrats, and then he basically did all of those things in office. Somehow, that is rare. He delivers for the base in a way we expect from red state govs. When Jeff Stein for the Washington Post asked Twitter users about the Socialist for Pritzker idea, many claiming to be from Illinois responded with sincere positivity about their governor or suggested that the hefty Pritzker and six foot nine Pennsylvania state candidate John Fetterman would make for a dream team of Democratic, quote, big boys. 
The fantasy seems to be that Pritzker could serve as an FDR for our time, a wealthy class trader who has the wisdom to understand that if people like him aren't going to be eaten alive by the populist hordes, they need to get with the program and let the labor movement lead them. And then he posts a photoshopped image of like a Chinese cultural revolution, like propaganda with J.B. Pritzker's face uh, superimposed on Mao, like <laughs> over like a shining sun and like people holding up little red uh, books. Uh, that may be just a fantasy. I think it's a role Pritzker might conceivably serve if he was principled and intelligent. Well, we'll get to that. You honestly could have written but this article would've... about Mitt Romney like before he right? like, you know, tried to go to the, the right to appeal to the rest of the country. Like literally, like I think that like, Pre-2012 Mitt Romney, you probably could have written this article about. Yeah, I know, exactly. Or kind of anybody, like, it's so bending over backwards trying to make it sound like J.B. Pritzker is, like, something It's different. almost, yeah, you could, um, like, it's, you really could say almost about anybody. Like, it, the fantasy is that, like, I don't know, like, any given I'm billionaire would be our new FDR. <laughs> like, if, yeah, my fantasy is that, like, Gandalf, like, comes out of the clouds. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, shut up. Does J.B. Pritzker support destroying the one ring and the fires yeah, of Matt Doom. Uh, if it makes you feel better to feel that way, then yes. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. Like, okay, he closes here. That may be just a fantasy. I think it's a role Pritzker might conceivably serve if he was principled and intelligent, but it would also if. require Pritzker to be willing to distance himself, I know, from the Democratic establishment. Anyone running with a D next to their name in 2024 is going to need to separate themselves from Biden's legacy because Biden has none, which means taking a stance as someone independent from the hugely unpopular National Party leadership. The Democratic label itself is going to be an albatross in 2024 because Biden has helped reinforce every perception of the party as weak, hypocritical, and full of hot air and false promises. But we still desperately need some way to keep Donald Trump out of office. Okay. They all think that and it's so going to be high Trump time. for sure. They do. I'm, not, so it, I'm also it, not 100% sure of. It's, he's uh, given yeah. indications that he'll come back in. Again, I'm not 100% sure okay. of that either, but I don't know. I don't know, know either. Yeah, but, but anyway. Yeah. But anyways... He says, you know, the Democratic label is going to be an albatross because, you know, Biden, Brandon sucks. But we still need to desperately need some way to keep Donald Trump out of office. And so it's high time to realistically consider options. Some leftists are hoping Bernie Sanders will run again. I'd be inclined to support him if he did, because Bernie is still in great form and articulates left arguments more compellingly than any other national political figure. But we have to admit that a third Bernie run is not optimal since it's hard to imagine him serving out a full term in peak shape. I am reluctant to endorse the idea of finding a, quote, billionaire of our own to challenge the plutocrats of the right, but an FDR-style presidency is the bare minimum it will take to keep this country from lapsing into Christian fascism, and if we are not to have a proletarian revolution anytime soon, and let us hope that we do. <laughs> We at least need a Democrat who does more than absolutely nothing. I look over the country, and the only one I see who conceivably reaches that threshold is J.B. Pritzker. I can wow. conceive of a million people Amazing. reaching that. Like I, I, yeah, I don't see why. Like yeah. Gavin Newsom is probably the most obvious parallel, and you definitely like write this article about Gavin Newsom if you wanted to. You absolutely could just plug yeah. in Gavin Newsom. Like he does what Californians and want. He's yeah, fierce, and also the whole blah, idea blah, that blah. he's going to distance himself from the Democratic establishment that like he funds. <laughs> like and, you know, that I brought that. I brought this up before. I just saw this like, uh, last night digging through some stuff that J.B. Pritzker. I think. Of all the money of like the, I don't know, $150 million or something that the Democratic Governors Association uh, received last year in, in donations, 
about half of it was just from J.B. Pritzker. So, like, what do you talk about? He's going to have to distance himself. Why not just come out with it and say he needs to buy the Democratic establishment because he's already halfway there, not to mention the uh, the right-wing, like, MAGA people. He's subsidizing them, but he's also bankrolling the mainstream Democratic establishment. Yeah. And, you know, as we'll spin off into uh, later in the episode, the idea that somehow... He's just like a detached governor who happens to be a billionaire and has no interlocking connections with the Democratic establishment. It's like such a ridiculous, it's like so illogical. It doesn't even take that much research to like flesh it out how this guy is like a major backer of like various politicians like, you know, Gavin Newsom and stuff. And those people are completely in line with like the Nancy Pelosi kind of leadership and stuff that. I mean, maybe he'll go and pretend to do that. I feel like that's the subtext here is like what J.B. Pritzker really needs to do is come up with a kind of tweak his persona and kind of vaguely gesture at being like a democratic socialist, like FDR class trader, uh, but not then he won't actually have to change like much of his policies because as Nathan says, there are already policies that the left wants and loves. You know, I could think of like a much longer list of left policies that I actually would want that, um, you know, go a lot farther, like go a lot harder, et cetera. At this point, I don't even see the Democratic Party as like a vehicle for implementing Literally, left policies like, I, I would almost want. See, like if J.B. Pritzker had instituted like, I don't know, like a, a $22 minimum wage or something, then I'd be like, wow, he went above yeah. and beyond. Like, but it's like, Right, but 15? Yeah, like everyone has do that done shit. that. Like, and it's all, like, you know. He's probably just trying to stay competitive. It's not even immediate. For like the, it's like a dollar a year. Like, you know, the same thing of like, oh, in 2050, we'll have clean energy or something. Like you know. That too. I mean, he's all co-signing the Green New Deal thing, which is completely funded by like fucking billionaires and like Davos people. And um, like, I'm increasingly like highly just suspicious of like the entire way it's like framed in our political discourse, like to a point where they do seem to be open to kind of like, crushing like sectors of the economy and like having like eight dollar gas and stuff so that like people to judge can drive around in his tesla and it's just all like such hypocritical dumb like like i don't know anyways but you know what yeah today we've got we got a whole hour we've laid um, out oh i knew uh, yeah but the frame of this yes but okay well, you know final thoughts uh, before we jump into our subjective research. Um, today. Yeah, thoughts. no, I was definitely concerned. I was like, we need to not just talk shit about JB Pritzker like this entire time. We actually need to like deal with the subject of the episode expediently, which is going to involve them. Yes, they uh, in short they time definitely will be. Uh, all like the Priskers will be implicated. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very weird, but it really just it just show how the Overton window just has like really shifted out from underneath our feet, like in real time. Like the fact that there's like any comparison between like JB. And like Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders, like, you know, say what you yeah. will about him. Like, I'm not like super all about like Bernie, like to save like uh, the country or whatever. But I think I don't think there's a comparison. I mean, I think that like really, you know, not even close. Yeah, not even like close. actually and, like, like an outsider, the, actually someone who was like meaningfully different, actually someone who took like stands throughout his career that were, you know, admirable. Deeply unpopular. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. 
and like and you know did some kind of like sus shit too along the way but yeah. i think still, still is a more complicated figure and and at the end of the day even on a symbolic kind of political marketing level if there's one like thing that you could associate with like bernie sanders something that he rails against constantly and every time <laughs> yeah, the he billionaires talks, like, yeah the billionaires yes. the billionaires us not the billionaires so how the fuck is everybody that like canvassed for Bernie and was pushing it super hard in 2020 going to literally switch to a billionaire that isn't even pretending to adopt like Bernie's platform yet? I mean, maybe they think they can push him, but I, that almost makes me wonder like, is this some kind of weird game going on where they're almost like falling into a manipulative trap of like thinking they're wagging the dog, but actually they're the ones getting wagged kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, either way, Maybe. like whatever I mean, the we'll case, see. even we'll if see. it is all just like for fun or something or like them getting caught up in like this sort of like, uh, I don't know, like J.B. Pritzker's amazing charisma and like resemblance to like a Sopranos character or whatever the explanation for it might be. Like it's still like, it's really amazing how I think largely for a lot of people, it just comes down to the fact that it was just like very aggressively pushed in certain quarters. That's also like, going to, that also does make me wonder this account, JB Pritzker, you know, socialist for Pritzker started like, I don't know, a little over a month ago. And I think as we've seen before in certain sectors of like, you know, social media and stuff, this guy takes off like wildfire immediately, gets kind of co-signed by all the right irony accounts. And after like a month, he's got like 12,000 followers. He's getting quoted in Current Affairs, in Washington Post, in Gawker, a bunch of other publications. And now it's almost to the point where I think I even read an article, one of the mainstream articles just about J.B. Pritzker's like laying the groundwork that like his team has even been exploring more unconventional ways to raise J.B. Pritzker's profile, including the use of memes. Mm. Now, they didn't say we sprinkled a bunch of cash on some like Twitter poster little political types to go out there. We're not saying we bought followers for this account <laughs> or that this is all part of a plot from a billionaire who could spend money that like is like a pocket lint to him to basically fund influence operations on something like Twitter. I think it's something that we just have to keep in the back of our head when we there think about all this stuff. There is precedent for it because, you know, the other billionaire who ran for president in recent memory, Bloomberg, did the exact same thing, right? He, like, paid a bunch of Instagram Yeah, he hired Fuck Jerry. Fuck Jerry. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But I feel like this is a, almost a more refined strategy. Well, yeah, he fucked strategy. it up. So the, the people that he hired, who would, would probably be the exact same people, would have, like, learned from their past mistake, which, like, blew up on their face and be like, let's do this properly after doing, like, a little bit of market research and... Of yeah. course, of course. Like, or uh, it does seem, and I don't know who's working for the various Pritzker foundations or for working for Pritzker the politician. Maybe he has some DSA people working for him. But it does seem like kind of this orbit of J.B. Pritzker seems to be hyper aware of like dirtbag leftism, mm -hmm. like its memes and its posture and its language and kind of its attitude and stuff like that like it almost feels like it was very intelligently designed to like totally tap into that nerve of like irony dirtbag left stuff and it's getting that's really the nexus point of like where these ideas are spreading and i think as i probably said uh recently on uh i forget on twitter and the grotto i said it but you know somebody asked like why would any of these podcasts ever be like an op 
because like they're all so marginal at the end of the day, even if they made millions of dollars, they're all so marginal. Yeah. Like why would the CIA waste its time <laughs> like influencing movies or TV or literary magazines or literally any other thing that they've like infiltrated yeah. uh, throughout the Cold War up to yes. today? But I, like, the, the, the thing I always tell people is like these people, you're right, like most Americans have no idea who say like these Twitter shit posters or podcasters are, but these people are v- much more well-known among a slightly larger group of people that I would say are typically like college educated on the upper end of the class spectrum. They live in big cities. They work in media. They work in politics uh, or, you know, something like that. And and those people do have a wider influence like in a trickle-down way on kind of bigger things that get memed kind of in the more mainstream. So it's like when you see like somebody like Dave Weigel writing this long article about just pondering like this interesting socialist for Pritzker uh, phenomenon. Yeah. And it's like, that's an, that's a perfect example of like, this guy is clearly heavily kind of influenced and kind of rolls with ideologically um, and attitudinally with maybe these like relatively niche like Patreon podcast type people that are on Twitter all the time. But then he goes and writes a WAPO article about it. So you can't really say that, oh, they're, what they're doing is just a bit that doesn't matter and it has no impact on wider society. I think there absolutely is a trickle down effect that, you know, if you if you're influencing the mainstream influencers, yeah. then you have kind of an amplified impact. And I think what you're seeing now is like places like WAPO kind of laundering those ideas more into a mainstream kind of language that like wonky politicos in, in the beltway can like fucking understand and get down with, which is like, look, J.B. Pritzker, he's a pragmatic guy, but like, look at all these dirtbag Bernie people that love him. Even It's almost like even though he's a billionaire, they love him. That just goes to show how amazing yeah. he is that they don't hate him for being a billionaire. But I think, you know, it's time, I think, to get into the uh, the main course yes. here. But keep all of this closely in mind as we move through it, because we're about to enter the web of webs, the interlock of interlocks, particularly one little node. This is where we started, which is something that, you know, Crypto Cuttlefish posted a lot about a few years ago. So it's always been in the back of my mind. But this little institution called the Castle Bank and Trust in the Bahamas this is something that pops up in a number of Mark Lombardi's interlock drawings and especially like all the people associated with it. And we're going to dive into that, but just know off the bat that like one of the many salient connections here is that the largest account depositor at this place, the Castle Bank and Trust throughout the 1970s was uh, the Pritzker family, the Pritzker family trust were the largest you know, depositors into this bank, which we're about to find out is, you know, up there with like BCCI, Nugan Hand Bank, First American, Riggs Bank, go down the list. It is on the roster of like extremely sus fucking Cold War banks that spiral off in a million directions. So I don't know. Should we should we properly get into it? All right, let's do it. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad. No, no, no.